So I'm Ron Fisher. I'm professor of economics here at Michigan State. So you're talking about the NCAA tournament. It is well underway. And uh, first, who pays for the tournament? Well, it's a complicated system, but mostly uh, the revenue from the tournament comes from television. So the NCA has contracts with uh, a set of television networks uh, to cover the games, and that generates most of the revenue uh, that funds the tournament. There also are, is revenue from ticket sales, of course, at the events, but uh, the largest attendance is really only at the finals. Many of the regional uh, uh, sessions don't have very large attendance. So most of the money uh, comes from television, the television uh, networks that contract with the NCAA to cover the tournament. And what kind of figures are we looking at? Well, it's gotten very large. Uh, it's, very, it's actually a very interesting story, and, and Michigan State is connected to the story of how the NCAA tournament became a television uh, spectacle. Uh, it, it sometimes surprises people to know that it wasn't that long ago that only the finals were covered on television. The early rounds weren't broadcast at all. And so there was a, a young, fledgling network that was trying to uh, have 24 hours of sports programming, uh, an entity known as ESPN. Uh, and so in 1980, ESPN went to the NCAA and said, we would like to cover the early rounds of the basketball tournament. At that time, the NCAA only had a contract with CBS to cover the finals. And so ESPN, that was just a starting network, didn't have a lot of stuff to fill its time, uh, decided that they would uh, pay to cover the early round games. And that's the first time that the early round started to be covered. Why did the, big, uh, did the ESPN think that was so interesting? Well, it was the year after uh, the time when the NCAA tournament was Michigan State and Irvin Johnson against Indiana State and Larry Bird. Uh, that final game uh, drew tremendous television attendance. And as a result, ESPN saw an opportunity uh, to cover the early round games. So until then, uh, television wasn't that big of a deal in terms of the NCAA tournament, and they didn't have nearly the amount of revenue that they receive today. Today, obviously, it's multiple millions of dollars uh, that are generated through, through television broadcasting of the NCAA tournament. And do you foresee these, uh, you know, monsters, or excuse me, do you foresee the budget and the television and just the whole affair continuing to get bigger and bigger? I don't know if it can get bigger. Uh, the, the NCA has really, uh, you know, pushed the envelope of generating all the games are covered now. They, they've added, they added the, uh, a few extra teams with the play-in games. So uh, without expanding uh, to more teams, it's, it's hard to see that there's going to be the dramatic growth. Uh, that the NCA saw when they uh, had in say the last 10 years. And what kind of benefit do teams see from the tournament? Well, it's a, it, again, it's a complicated system. Uh, the NCAA pays the uh, expenses of all the teams that participate, not only in the NCAA basketball tournament, but in all NCAA tournaments. So if there's an NCAA national championship tournament and your team makes the tournament, the NCAA pays the team's travel costs, et cetera, for participating in the tournament. So the universities don't bear those costs. Uh, then the NCAA takes, of all the money that they receive from the tournament, 60% is paid out to the conferences of the teams that participate in the tournament. 
So uh, uh, a, a, a large fraction of the money ends up being returned essentially to the teams, not directly, but through their conferences. So of the total amount of money that the NCAA makes in a tournament, 60% is eventually returned to the conferences. So uh, in, in, in the case of the Big Ten, uh, the Big Ten receives money from the NCAA based upon how well Big Ten teams do in the tournament over a six-year period. It's a six-year cycle uh, that the NCAA uses to calculate the, uh, the conference shares of the revenue. And then the Big Ten shares that money with all of its schools. It's, the Big Ten shares the money equally. So it doesn't matter uh, whether you're in the tournament or not in the tournament. All the Big Ten schools uh, get the same amount of money. Uh, based upon the NCAA tournament success of league teams. So maybe we should root for Michigan every once in a while. <laughs> well, it, 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 the, the share of revenue that each league gets depends upon how many games uh, teams from that league have played over the past six years. So if you have more teams from your league make the tournament and they do well so they continue to succeed, that means they play more games, that increases the share of revenue uh, that, uh, that each league receives. I think uh, the, the most recent number, if I remember it correctly, is that the Big Ten gets about, the, the, the Big Ten Conference receives about $20 million a year from the NCAA because of Big Ten teams' participations in the NCAA basketball tournament. And then that gets shared with all the teams. So then what kind of, I mean, I don't know if you'd know the kind of numbers we're looking at if you are a national champion or what that could pay in dividends in the future. Well, it doesn't generate any additional revenue directly mm -hmm, right. from participating in the, in the going further in the tournament because the, the, the revenue is all shared. Mm -hmm. And in fact, the Big Ten uh, shares revenue that they receive from all sources. So the Big Ten receives revenue from uh, the football team's participation in the BCS postseason games, like Michigan State in the Rose Bowl this year. Uh, the Big Ten gets money from their television contract with ESPN. Uh, the Big Ten generates money from the Big Ten Network, which they are part owners of. And all of that money then goes into the conference, and then the conference shares it equally among all the teams. So Michigan State's athletics department gets somewhere between 20 and $25 million a year in shared revenue uh, from the Big Ten Conference. So you don't benefit individually, each team, from going further in the tournament because the revenue gains are all shared. What you gain is some, some notoriety some reputation. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of controversy about how valuable that is. Uh, but clearly people you know, know at least the name of your basketball team. And that was my next question from a university standpoint. Besides you know, the shared revenue they are receiving from the conference, are there any cost-benefit analysis that you see in terms of universities sending their teams or progressing through the tournament? There's been a lot of research on the issue of how athletics uh, success mm -hmm. Uh, influences universities overall. And uh, the research is a bit mixed. Sometimes in our business, uh, researchers don't get clear-cut answers. Uh, but there's one clear result, one unambiguous result in the research, and that is that athletic success generates more donations to athletics departments. Now, does it generate more donations to universities in general? The research is mixed on that. Sometimes it happens, sometimes not. Does it increase uh, enrollment or applications to a university? The research is more mixed on that. Sometimes yes, sometimes no. The one unambiguous benefit of athletic success 
based on the research, is better financial soundness mm -hmm. for the athletics department. Mm -hmm. Right, rightfully so. And um, from the fan standpoint, so you've got all kinds of fans who are getting excited for the tournament and are, you know, checking airline tickets just in case the team yeah. makes it to where they predict. Yeah. So what kind of monetary expense are fans looking at, say, for the national championship? Well, obviously traveling uh, to, if you, if you wanted to travel to all rounds, it's tremendously <laughs> expensive. Right. Uh, I, I mean, the, the NCA made this decision a couple of years ago to try to reduce travel expenses by what they now call the pod system. System. So they, they try to locate teams closer in the first round uh, to their, their home base uh, to try to reduce travel costs. But in the end, if you're going to travel to all the games, obviously it can be multiple thousand dollars for each trip mm -hmm. uh, in terms of airfare and hotels and those kinds of things. So you have to be a, a, a devoted fan. Uh, uh, to to travel to all the all the uh, all the games and 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 what's happened in sports in general is uh, and it surprises some people to learn this but uh, in both professional sports and big time college sports football and basketball attendance at games has been decreasing for a ten year period and the re one of the big reasons of course is that it now it's so easy it's to sit at home. Have your big screen, high definition TV. Beer in your hands. <laughs> you you can easily watch the game at home, mm -hmm. and so all sports leagues are now concerned about what's going to happen to attendance because, on the one hand, it's very costly uh, to go to games. Uh, in in the NCAA basketball tournament case, not only do you have tickets, but you have the travel, and uh, it's so easy, it's so convenient, it's so attractive now with the uh, the digital technology. Uh, to watch the games at home. Um, another thought that consumes people in the couple days before the tournament starts is filling out the bracket. So what are your thoughts on the process of filling out a bracket and now all the monsters prize money behind these brackets? It, it's, a, it's a tremendous activity that uh, so many people participate in. I see in the news that uh, President Obama has done his bracket and <laughs> has Michigan State going. even has Michigan State going far. So uh, yeah, it's a very popular thing to do. And doing it for fun mm -hmm. is wonderful. What many people don't know is that betting on college basketball games is illegal in the United States. Mm -hmm. So if you are in one of these groups where, let's say, everybody puts in $5, fills out their bracket, and whoever does best wins the money, that formally is a federal crime in the United States. Betting on sporting on all sporting events in the United States is, is illegal by federal law. Now, is anyone going to prosecute you for your little $2 local pool? The answer is no. But uh, formally, betting on, on sports is only allowed in a couple of states that had it in place before the federal law was adopted, most notably in Nevada, in Las Vegas, where you can go to betting parlors, sports pool parlors, and bet. But so everyone participates in the uh, in in the brackets, and that's a fun thing to do. But if you're doing it for money, formally, <laughs> not allowed. Um, so you may say, well, how about these contests where if you fill out your bracket, you can win things? That's not gambling because you don't have to put any money up. That's just the contest, and somebody else has put the prize money up. It's the gambling aspect, you posting money that you may win or lose, uh, that's formally not allowed by federal law. Mm -hmm. 
And what are your thoughts on, you know, the Quicken Loans, the ESPN bracket challenges, and have you filled out your own bracket? I haven't. Okay. Uh, and, uh, of course, I'm hopeless. You know, <laughs> economists are renowned disastrous forecasters, so it would be dead disastrous in my case. Uh, but the, uh, uh, the, the contest is just more just signifies how interesting uh, the uh, NCAA basketball tournament has become, how big of a thing it has become. So other firms, Quicken Loans and Buffett's operation, these other things, are trying to use that to draw attention to themselves by creating these kinds of contests. Mm -hmm. uh, so in a way, it's an, it's an advertising ploy for them uh, to use the NCAA basketball tournament as a way to, a way to draw interest uh, to their own businesses or their own activities. It's a rescue one with $100 billion on the line. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Give it a shot. I mean, go for it, right? The, the odds are low. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, my last question is, who do you predict winning the NCAA tournament? As I said before, economists are disastrous <laughs> predictors. Uh, one thing I guess we've learned uh, from the NCAA basketball tournament over the years is that there almost always are unexpected mm -hmm. outcomes. Mm -hmm. There are always teams uh, that people really don't know a lot about uh, that end up doing very well in the tournament, sometimes making it all the way to the Final Four. Obviously, from my point of view, it would be wonderful if Michigan State's team uh, went very far in the tournament, uh, not just the men's team, but the women's team as well, both in the NCAA tournaments uh, this year. And so obviously I hope that they both do well. That would be great for them and great for the university. But one of the things that makes the NCAA tournament so interesting, such a spectacle, is that unexpected outcome, uh, which seems to pop up every year. And only time will tell. Who there you go. Absolutely. Will be. Well, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. I enjoyed it.